0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. dDW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The matrix is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around,
1: what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to
0: understand. Most of these people are not ready to be unplugged, and many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it.
2: All right how how's the how's the audio? Oh, you sound good on my end. How how you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Doing I'm doing pretty good considering. Um so so you and i had a had a, a a a brief back and forth uh through facebook messenger um and you were just giving me a little bit of your um of your personal philosophy that's right why don't you why don't you you know debrief the audience a little bit on that and then we can just we can go from there
1: my personal philosophy on what we're talking—I mean,
2: on what exactly? On, on race, on race and entitlements. That's what we're supposed to be talking about.
1: Actually, I think race is insignificant. I'm—I'm I'm a firm believer that race typically mm-hmm. is insignificant. Um, however, I do believe that um, stereotypes exist for a reason. That's both white and black. Uh, but entitlements is something I'm very passionate about because, well, I'm a taxpayer, so I mm. do not—I do not like for anyone, black or white. To receive any um, don't let's just call it donations from me without me volunteering them. Does that make sense?
2: Um, yeah, but but I, I, let's let's back up a little bit. You say you think races is, race is insignificant. Right. So what you're saying is is that is that America is a race neutral country? Race race is insignificant.
1: And from my end, I think it's I think it's only significant from. People that be, I think it's only significant to people that believe that their failures or lack of success is caused by the color of their skin uh, mm. or, uh, and, and that could be anybody black that could be anybody. you know there's some people that, even from my end, on the white side that believe there is a conspiracy against white people um, in America to depopulate us. Uh, so I feel the exact same way towards them that use race as a crutch uh for mm. their lack of success.
2: Mm. Okay, so but I, I think um you're making a a false equivalency there by by equating um white people's sense of ambivalence uh that stems from from their race and and, and what we know as white decline to uh black people's uh sense of ambivalence because black people's um mistreatment based on race is is historical. It's factual, and it's ingrained in the in in the very fabric of American society. Uh, so those those two things are those two different things. That's a false equivalency. You well
1: know, I agree that there's a very ugly past uh, mm-hmm. in America in regards
2: to race, uh, mm-hmm. but I also am
1: a believer that majority of that past has been uh, when well we've we've gotten past that past. Mm -hmm. Um, now, now, not everybody's going to believe that not everybody's going to feel that same way. Uh, but I'm going to say this and I'm very stern about this. I 100% do not believe that oppression exists in any aspect at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not believe that anyone holds you down. And even if I did decide that I did not want to hire you, uh, Mary, because you're black, Mm -hmm. that's my right. I bought, purchased and built my company. If I decide I only want to hire big booty, uh, I'm gonna try not to curse. Um, right. A blonde broads, then that that should be my prerogative since it's my money that built the business that I created and my hard work.
2: Right, right. but to see, what, but here's here's the larger thing: your business can't can't thrive or, or be successful if the government doesn't do it doesn't do its job so for example if the government doesn't take care of its roads its bridges its infrastructure then your business can't thrive and be successful so when so in that sense we all have a, a we all have a certain responsibility to 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 the greater collective because if the government doesn't do what it's doing then you can't operate and just like you said you didn't you don't want somebody benefiting from your don from your taxes turning into a donation why should i want hold on why should i want i I don't want the same thing then you see what i'm saying because it's my taxes that's going to the government making it possible for the infrastructure to operate that's helping your business to be successful
1: well um Let me let me say this. First of all, Mm. um, prior to taxation, income taxation, which I believe taxation is theft, period, uh, because we don't pay taxes. Majority of Americans do not pay taxes. I do. But majority of Americans have taxes taken from them. Um, So ultimately, um, my thing of this is how did businesses exist or prosper um, prior to taxation? So the taxation that exists now Uh, You cannot say that businesses that are successful now are successful due to regulation and taxation when there was successful businesses prior to regulation and taxation. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, but that's that's a that's a a a different thing because uh, I think it was uh, dang I can't remember the name of the president who who started the interstate highway. you know, the interstate highway system. Prior to that, there was, everything was more localized. This is where we get the, you know, the differences between um, states' rights and, and, and the larger federal federal government. Initially, the the federal government, government's role in domestic issues was was very minuscule and minute their 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 mandate was to do those things for the states that the states couldn't do for themselves so that was uh the the creation of borders protecting the borders and you know dealing in international treaties and to help and, and to help those businesses export their goods out to foreign markets. That was the whole purpose of the federal government. What you're mentioning now, like like how we get get the taxes now, um, is income taxes and then and then payroll taxes. Now the payroll taxes that that is the taxes that that go towards what we know of as entitlement. So that's the medic, the Medicare, Medicaid, and and social and social security. You see, so uh, ultimately. Again, if the government doesn't operate and do what it's supposed to do in in a, in a modernized society In an integrated industrialized society those businesses cannot function and operate like you wouldn't have multi-conglomerate corporations in this day and age if 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 there was no uh No NTSB if there was no air traffic control system, you see what I'm saying? If there if there was no who like who who's supposed to regulate the the air traffic? If government no. doesn't operate, those businesses they're going to be much more, much less likely to be as successful as they are if the, if the government isn't operating doing what it's supposed to do. No, here's the thing: just because I think taxation is stuff does
1: not mean that I do not um, understand why it exists. But right. in terms, but in terms of entitlements, mm-hmm. um, I my my firm belief is that if you give humanity, and it doesn't matter once again, the color of the person of the human. If you give humanity an option of a way out of working to eat, um, people will take it. You know, mm. I, I'm going to be honest, man. You know, I wasn't always conservative. You know, mm. I was raised on the South side of Chicago and right. I was, you know, basically, you know, the deal Well, you get what you can get. Right. Um, and so I used to have that mentality and, and once I got, once I became a harder worker, even before I became conservative, per se, I started mm-hmm. I started noticing that there was a lot of people that mm-hmm. was able to stay at home and, and and basically let the government take care of them while they incarcerate their men, why they mm-hmm. um, basically do nothing. And they were eating better than me. Mm-hmm. And I was working 40 hours a week. And, and that was at the moment that I realized the entitlement system is broken. Mm-hmm. Um. We're not giving it to people that genuinely just need it. Veterans, truly disabled people. We got women that are claiming to be bipolar, or not just women, but people claiming mm. to be bipolar, and and just because they have mood swings, now we're giving them a check. Um, mm. And then not just that, we have um, women, like I said, that are incentivized. There's in, there's incentives given for them to put their men out of their homes because we're giving them Section 8 projects. And and you know how it goes. I don't know if you know how it goes. I'm not going to make that assumption that you can't have a man there. So Section 8 homes, we're giving them that, and we're giving them food stamps, and we're giving them welfare, Mm -hmm. um, which a lot of times is more than their skill level would have earned them at a 9 to 5. So what incentive do they have to actually go work? That's my problem with uh, entitlements for the most part, particularly
2: in that area. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this: Do you have any empirical uh empirical data to to back up what you just suggested, the statement you just made? Because I, when I look at when I look at uh the information and the data that's available, uh, what I'm saying is that most women who are on welfare or food stamps or whatever you want to call it, most of these women are working. I mean, this is this is the reason why we did um the the welfare reform act in the 90s under under the clintons exactly because of what you're talking about and you know now in today's time uh most women who are on who are on welfare work well working mothers sometimes um mm-hmm. but
1: about only about 6% of the people that are on welfare work full time now some of that is not their fault i will grant you that there's right. sometimes in today's climate, jobs will cut you down to 35 hours so they don't have to pay you health insurance, give, offer you health insurance. I get that. Um, but only about 6% of people that get entitlements work 40 hours or more. And then also we live in a nation where 108 million people get some sort of entitlement, but there's only 101 million full-time employees. Uh, that is a problem. That's an unsustainable problem pace. There's no way. And once again, I'm not saying that the entire 108 million are welfare queens. Some of those people are older people that that um are disabled people, whatever. So not all entitlement receivers are doing it maliciously or just being lazy. I'm aware of that. Um, but either way, um, in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of people taking advantage of this um in my mm-hmm. opinion
2: uh, but go ahead
1: uh I, I, those are yeah, the, that's where, go ahead
2: um yeah uh okay like even when we get to entitlement spending um the largest driver of the in, of entitlement cost is actually the health side so when we when we start talking about medicare medicaid and social security uh this is dealing with the elderly with uh you know with the sickly or people who are obese obesity is the is the greatest driver of um, of the the problem we're having with the entitlements, because obesity is a drain on on uh, the economy because of the health the health effects the health costs. And America is one of the fattest nations on the planet. And see, this again goes back to the cyclical nature of uh, government, business, and the people. Because if we have corporations who uh, process foods and overprocess foods with sugar. Uh, preservatives, salts—these things that make people unhealthy—and then we get, we sell those products cheaper than what we sell healthier products. The healthier foods are are, are way more expensive than the, you know, than than the cheaper foods. Then what you're going to have is you're going to have an, a population of individuals who are sickly because they're eating the cheaper foods that the corporation is selling in the interest of making a, of making a profit. And then that's going to come back on the on the entitlement programs in the government because now these people have health issues. So again, it's going to come back to Medicare, Medicaid, uh, and um, and Social Security. But one thing I do want to mention, um, how this idea of what we call entitlements, because the fact is, is that these aren't these aren't entitlements because the American people are paying money into are paying money into this system. We are much less uh. So- some, some, but 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 most. If if it doesn't matter, if a person is working a is working a job, even regardless of their um of their uh how the hours they get, they're still paying into the system. This is this is an entirely different thing from income taxes. Income taxes is what people can can choose to be exempt from, and these and 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 you you know use exemptions to drive down their their rate of what they're paying. But the payroll taxes for the, the payroll taxes are fixed. If you work a job, you're going to pay payroll tax. Like my daughter, she works um, She works for a fast food company. Right. And when she looks at her check stub, they're taking money out of her check. So yep. she's paying. So she, she's paying into the system. So what I'm saying is th- this idea or this notion that there's this undeserving population or segment of people who are who particularly are black. That's robbing money from the from the system is is a racist trope and stereotype and that was something that was uh concocted and created in the in the late 60s and the early 70s as a way to 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 vilify poor people like look even when we talk about employability let's be honest the unemployment rate that they talk about on the news and that they give you when they cook their books isn't the real unemployment rate if you go if you go into a lot of these communities you have some some communities where the unemployment rate of of black men is double digit, like Milwaukee, like uh, Detroit, uh, places in Indiana. So, you, so it's just going to create this this type of quagmire. Now, what you mentioned earlier, um, and this is what I'll say: I think it's it's uh, asinine to assert that people. Um, people are choosing to be to be poor to get welfare. That's analogous to asserting that people are choosing to get sick to get Medicare and Medicaid. It's a it's an entire system of imbalance because this is the type of type of things that arise. We have a capitalist system and where you elevate dollars over over principle.
1: Well, uh, and I, I let me first off say mm-hmm. that I agree with you about the health of our nation. Right. I actually agree with you completely 100 percent on that Concept and I do believe it affects um, entitlements. However, right. uh, my position here is going to be it's still a choice. Um, mm. Those people can budget of uh, the more expensive health items. Right. Um, um, being fat, I know this because I am fat. Being fat <laughs> is a uh-huh. is a choice. Um, right. I I choose to um, do the things that that make me fat uh but it does not mean that you nor anyone else should have to foot the bill if my fatness makes me sick and puts me in the hospital it's my responsibility therefore you know when that bill comes i should get it not you not the mm-hmm. rest of the taxpayers um now when it comes to <laughs> unemployment um you know i listen i don't believe a whole lot of numbers anyway right, right. like i don't uh, i think that Majority of the numbers, no matter who you get it from, is to uh, mm-hmm. help benefit their agenda. So if I get, let's say, numbers from CNN, it's to it is to benefit the liberal agenda. If I get numbers from Fox News, it is to um, benefit their agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing you can look at is the numbers that the government presents, and even that is to benefit their agenda. So. Right. Numbers is, you know, pretty much subjective if you want to believe them or not. Right. Um, but but ultimately, my thing about this is I do not believe an attack on on welfare is uh, an attack on on black people. And even if that was the case, mm-hmm. even if we were to say right now that that white people do not want their pay their tax money to go to feed black children. Right. Um even though that you can say that's mean and yes, that would be racist, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's, it's a valid argument. Mm -hmm. Um, um, even if that was the the situation. But I don't think that, I don't look at it and say that the attack that I or anyone else makes on entitlements is an attack against black people or any minorities because now I know that the numbers which we just said is subjective shows that 44% of black households are on an entitlement while only 13% of white households. Now, don't get me wrong, that 13% Mm -hmm. of white households is still a bigger number. Uh, It is. But however, I think the bigger epidemic is the fact that almost half of black households are on an entitlement uh, while the majority of the working people in America
2: mm-hmm.
1: are not black. Um, mm-hmm. Because of the face, I mean, at uh, 12.4% of the nation, if you believe that number, once again, numbers are subjective. Um, listen, you're not putting a lot into the mix if if there's a lot of you locked up, Whether it's whether it's the oppression thing that's that's claimed, or mm-hmm. uh, the real crimes, or whatever the case may be, black taxpayers are not uh, uh, putting in a whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, and so for the half of their households almost to receive an entitlement is a is an epidemic. Um, there's a problem if you believe that number. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that it is 44? percent Do you believe the numbers I presented? Um, um, and do, go
2: ahead. Oh well, and, and do you believe it's
1: an issue, basically?
2: Um, no, no, I don't. Because when I, when I, I'm a black person and when I look around and when I look at my people, I see, I see people who are hardworking. I see people who are, are trying to do the best they can. I see people who want a better life, you know, for their children. And, and a lot of time it's, it's the environment that's causing a lot of things and a lot of issues that may exist in, in certain of our communities. Um, but what I, one thing I do want to talk about, because you mentioned um you know the rates relative to who's getting entitlements it being nearly half of all black households and it's what only 13% of white households but we can see we can trace this back and see this is how we opened up the conversation when we talk about the the racialized past of american history see if 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 you've studied uh the civil war and reconstruction then you then you know that once they emancipated the slaves from off the plantation they didn't give them an economic base or an economic floor. They made certain concessions. They they started certain things, the free, the Freedmen, Freedmen's Bank, um, and things like that. But because of Jim Crow and the resurgence of the of the repatriating segre- segregationists, a lot of those things were, were stymied and, and neutralized. And that's how that's what ushered us into Jim Crow. And so, see, this is a, a cumulative effect. Of, of how black people get to where, where we are now. Um, when you mal-distribute resources based on the, the lines of of race to disproportionately uh, ingratiate one one race racial group of the country to the economic pie, well then it's gonna have an effect on the disadvantaged racial group and this is the history in America. See, this is what this is what has happened, and and every time, um, when America has been presented with the opportunity to make retribution and reparations to uh to black people, um, there's always an excuse. There always there's always this vilification of uh of black people, and there's always this obstinance coming from the larger white society. If you look at Gallup polls from the 1960s, Mm. when asked if, uh, uh, when the Gallup poll asked, you know, uh, white people surveys on questions like, "Do you think black people are treated unfairly in this country?" Do you think uh, black people get a raw deal with education? Do you think black people get a raw deal with housing? Uh, uh, Many times, the majority of the of those surveyed would say no. So this speaks to this. this uh willful ignorance, or just basically I- I ignoring uh, the issues that black people have dealt with in this country, and despite all of that, look at look at what we are at where we are and what we've accomplished. However, that yes. doesn't translate to the entire group or collective of black people. There are still issues that are systemic issues, right. institutionalized issues, because it's inertia. Uh, an, an object in motion will remain and will remain in that motion until it's acted upon by an outside force But then those forces that was moving in that initial direction will still have an effect on on its movement And that's where we are today. Can I ask See, you can so,
1: I, go ahead. I want to I ask you two things um, mm-hmm. uh, well three things actually um the question one, I'm going to ask all three and then you can nail them. Uh, question number one is going to be, do you think we owe you reparations? And the question number two um, is going to be about the the appearance of black folks. We talk about a lot when it comes to their poverty. Um, but mm-hmm. when we talk about the appearance that they present to other people, uh, not just uh, out, actually out there, but if you look at television the image that they want to represent. And a lot of us, uh, and I don't know if you're liberal or conservative, but I know a lot of black right. men wearing suits. and are, I have a lot of black people in my audience that are stand-up, excellent people. Um, right. how, however, there's a lot of people that will come into a job interview, and I know this. I used to run a business in which I hired mm. these people. They would come in there dressed just as urban as I do on a damn corner or anyone else does. And mm. and a, a, with their hat cocked and think that they're going to get hired. And then when we don't hire them, um, it's because they're black. No, it's because we assume based on your appearance that you're into thuggery or the street life uh, or mm. uh, so. The, the, Ultimately, I want to ask you: Is it the is it the is it possibly the image that blacks present to the public, American public themselves, that could mm-hmm. possibly be stunting their growth in terms of economically? But uh, but then ultimately, this as the entitlement culture, mm-hmm. um, is essentially a handout, and they're saying, "Well, you owe me, um, and I demand fairness." I don't believe anything in life is fair. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I finally stopped being a jackass, excuse me, and, stepped into the work field mm-hmm. and, you know, I have teardrops on my face and I still dress pretty urban. Right. Um, and despite being white, it does not, and there's a lot, and I have three felonies. I couldn't look at jobs and say, it's unfair that you're mm-hmm. not going to give me an opportunity. I just had to lace my boots up, start my own business and become successful. Um so basically I would li- uh, my question is what part of black poverty do you actually blame on black people uh do you think we owe them reparations and do you think that maybe the imagery that they put out to the public could be a reason that people are not you know you know not so likely to bring them into
2: their company or to do business with them right um yeah let me let me let me address address this uh number 1 yes i do believe that uh black people are owed um, reparations uh, that's number one uh, number two what part of po- black poverty do I blame on black people um, I blame I, I will assign some responsibility to to um, to those of us who may not be doing as well because it's always a two-fold situation um, the social scientists who looked at this uh, you know they they talk about how that it's both structural and behavioral inhibitors. So there is a there is something to be said about some of the behaviors that some of us engage in. Um, the larger point is this, the fact that as Black people, we have to go into white institutions looking for employment and looking for jobs and then being subject to The stigmas that arise from how we're portrayed in the media speaks to the speaks to the underlying problem here. And it speaks to it goes right back to the legacy that you and I both understand and that I've laid out. If we had our own institutions, our own banks, our own corporations that we actually ran and controlled, then those things wouldn't be as much of an inhibitor to to brothers and sisters as it is when it's a white institution. Because the fact is, is that we have two different cultures in American society. Uh, there's white culture and there's, there's black culture. The, the, but the stance that always comes from the dominant society is somehow portraying black culture as degenerate, inherently criminal, uh, lazy, entitled. See these different things when the fact is, is that uh, that's, that's not true. Now, just check this out. If if a white guy came into a business with, uh, you know, um, with some cow cowboy jeans on, <laughs> some cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, a lasso, and these different things, you wouldn't be like, okay, well, I'm not going to hire him. Hold on, hold on let me make, let me finish the point. All you right. wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be like, hold on, I'm not going to hire him because he might shoot somebody at noon because he's dressed like a cowboy. You understand that the depiction of how that's portrayed in the media is not necessarily representative of um of the reality and this is what happens with with um with brothers and sisters like this is the way we're portrayed in the media um of being criminal um of being thugs drug dealers when really all it is is just a, it's urban style and urban culture like it's a it's a it's an urban um thing to have you know your hat backwards that's just flavor you know pizzazz or whatever it is it's not really indicative of some type of criminal who might who might do something so you know you don't want to hire them you see what i mean so right. that's where i stand on that but go ahead well
1: here's the thing okay and, and and that i understand what you're saying but what if no one wants to hire
2: flavor and
1: possess? <laughs> maybe we don't want that in our place of business but number two mm-hmm. number two let me ask you this um can you blame a little bit that, of that on black folks and here's my reason why the cowboy hats, like, I don't see country stars like mm. making videos um, talking about the violence they would do to mm. another person. Uh, let's be honest here. The, uh, yes, I admit media companies are typically ran by white people. However, it still takes the black people to say, yes, I agree to go on there and p- look like Takashi69 and portray this gangster that's going to kill other people. Um, mm-hmm. That's the difference. Is the, the the imagery that blacks accept to be put forward in representation of themselves is a violent, r- hardcore gangster rap type imagery, whereas them cowboys. Or hard, the imagery that they allowed the, to be put out for them is of the hardworking cattle rancher, not necessarily going to shoot up other cowboys. I mean, I don't remember a single song where Gar Brooks threatened to pull a one eight seven on an undercover. <laughs>
2: Let's go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um. dang, I lost my train of thought with that, but um, y- y- you know, uh, again, we're operating in in um in stereotypes here uh we have to understand that 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 that's entertainment it's like it's like wrestling who that, that WCW uh <laughs> Vince McMahon um but but the but the point is, is is that uh you know these things have been have been racializing look let's talk about how how labor unions early on see there's always see we exist in a continuum of this so the dominant society the dominant class always looks for a reason or a pretext to push black people, particularly black men to the margins. So uh, we get um, the minimum wage, the way we get minimum wage in American society is because they wanted to price black men out of the labor market. Prior to prior to enactment of the minimum wage, the, the, many black men were being employed at a, at a higher rate than white men because they would do the work for cheaper they were cheaper labor. So then the, the labor unions instituted uh, the minimum wage to give a base so brothers could know, black men couldn't undercut those white workers. See, this is the history of, of racialized union politics in, um, in American society. And last time I checked, during this time period, which was the early 1900s, there was no brothers running around talking about pulling the 187. There were no brothers running around uh, with their hat on backwards. There was no there was no brothers running around making rap videos talking about how how they'll kill someone. This was it was it was it was always it's it's always about race. Yeah. We just you we just fit it into whatever filter we can fit it into to hide our racialized animus. Like, Check this out. And then I'll let you go on. Uh, uh, uh white ambivalence to, to black achievement is factual, historical and institutional in the social historiography of, of American society. That's just what it is. OK. And uh, so let's just let's just say it's the
1: absolute worst. Right. Let's just mm. say white people don't care. Uh, mm. White people are you know, they don't recognize your achievement and they don't they just don't they don't care. Let's just mm. say that is the truth. Um. Mm. Uh, why is that such a problem? Number one, because uh, it sounds to me like we're begging for white acceptance. That's number one. But number two, um, I'm going to say that I do want to touch on the reparations thing because okay. my all u- my ultimate question to you just to start off is why should people that do not own slaves pay people that were slaves? Mm. Nobody on this earth is a slave owner or um, no one here uh, excuse me that's an incorrect that's an inaccurate statement no one here in america are mm. uh, slave owners or slaves um so why well like for instance why should i pay you uh and and Maybe I'm not even a descendant. I am a descendant of a slave owner, but there's many white owners that's not, uh, mm-hmm. white people that's not. And what about the people? What about mixed people? Like Barack Obama, let's just use Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Should he get reparations? What? Should his mama pay his daddy? Like who should pay who? You see what I'm saying? That would be yeah. my question in regards
2: to that. Um, but go ahead. Um, Yeah, look, reparations isn't just about slavery it's it's a it's about the entire context in which uh anglo Anglo-Ameri- america anglo america has mistreated dehumanized marginalized black people. that's what it's about. slavery so, is just a so just, we're being
1: so for being' so, mean to you We owe you because we were mean
2: to you, bro. is that what you're really saying right now? um well i mean you i mean you call it what you want if, whether we're talking about slavery, whether we're talking about Jim crow, whether we're talking about uh mass incarceration it's it's not just being mean it's maldistribution of resources where you where you take the hold on where you take the resources and you hoard them for you and you hoard it for yourselves and then you you lock all of these like you know like black people have been systemically locked out of industries you see what i'm saying like they've been locked out of out out of industries by the dominant class by the dominant society where they would use eminent domain laws to tear up uh thriving black areas. So you see, you see what I mean? Like I do there, there's a, you mean. there's an economic so what I'm saying is that there is isn't there this is just as much economic as it is racial. So, That's what I'm saying. It's it's not just racial, it's economic as well. There's an economic train here that we can follow and see why 44% of black households are um, on some type of entitlement while only 13% off. So essentially um, it was white people um, were not
1: sharing enough with their resources. Cause let's not make a mistake. Let's not mistake mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. We we engaged in what's called conquest in a time where in worldwide conquest was thing. We took this from someone else. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately basically the problem is, is we're not sharing enough of our resources with Black people, that's really
2: well, the problem. Well, well, hold on, look, that's because this is something I talk about all the time, is that white men didn't do anything in a vacuum. Um, when you talk about Christopher Columbus getting over here, there were moors on Christopher Columbus' ship. There were Africans that was with Christopher Columbus. Uh, when we talk about uh, how America came to be, the, the the first blood shed on this land for for America, what would become America was a black man, an ex-slave, Crispus addicts. See, so that's what I'm saying. White Men or, or white people haven't done anything in a vacuum. If 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 there's this supposed conquest that was going on, well, you th- you shouldn't have needed anybody's help. You shouldn't have had to go. You shouldn't have had to go to Africa to get slaves to come and work the 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 land and the crops in America. You should have been able to do that yourself. But they weren't. And so, uh, even how you know America came to be and America got all of this mass wealth, it just didn't materialize out of anywhere. Much of much of the corporations that exist today got their start in money that was uh created from human trafficking and from uh forced slave labor. Which and is they've never paid reparations. Which care. is only
1: considered wrong today. You gotta realize it it mm. was not considered you can't change a law and then retroactively go back and punish people that broke that law when that I mean that broke that law before that law was illegal. So what I mean is that they could say tomorrow that coffee is illegal you can't go back in time and punish me for all the pots of coffee I've drank so yes, I understand slavery and the concept of it is wrong today but back then we was getting y'all for forty dollars a pop that was a good deal bro and listen most people's gonna take that um the you know if you can get someone to come in your house uh, and all you got to do is pay. Someone else, forty bucks. You come in my house. You're gonna hold my drawers. You're gonna do all of this. Um, mm. uh, your women are going to sneak into our bedrooms at night and and give us fellatio. Um, I'm doing a good job on this cussing, by the way. Um, mm. we can do all of those things for a small price of forty dollars,
2: and it's not illegal. And and everyone's doing it all around the world. Who
1: wouldn't do that? Like, well I mean, then,
2: yeah. well, 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 well then, America has to has to has to come to to face. The truth about itself then because we're not the ones who are who are saying we're a nation of laws we're not the ones who are talking about being civil uh we're not the ones who's talking about being the moral police we're not the ones who have a statue of liberty in the new york harbor no. serving as a beacon for light and freedom for 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 the planet and who've put who've pushed this idea of uh of democracy see they they did all that You see, and so you can't, now you can't, you can't make the argument, uh, this convenient argument of, well, it wasn't this at that time, because now the bill has come due. Live up, live up to the meaning of what you said. You said, we the people, the founding documents of this country say, we the people. And when you have white, white men, particularly elite, elitist white men who are, Harboring all of the who are um, um, occupying all of the institutions, the apparatuses of control, the government, what you're implying by default is that everybody else aren't people. They're not persons. They're not humans. And they don't they don't have they don't they don't have those certain inalienable rights. So if if they're going to if the line of reasoning that you're going to use is what you just demarcated, well, then we're going to need them to shred the founding documents of this country. And let's start over.
1: I, I, can, I can definitely understand that. And when you look, you got, but what I'm saying, is when we go back to certain levels, certain mm-hmm. uh, times, you know, the reality of this is we weren't pushing liberty that damn hard for a long time. And it, it, even if we were, uh, you're right. We weren't, mm-hmm. we didn't, we looked at you as three fifth of a right. human and you weren't treated that way. Um, now, obviously we've tried to correct that, but mm-hmm. ultimately the question still has to be, Still mm-hmm. has to, I mean, because you can't start over. The truth of this is, even the ugly histories that any of us have, we cannot, we cannot, this is not a video game. We cannot hit reset. Right. But ultimately, why, why should I um, pay you anything when you, I believe you have the same opportunities as me. Um, Why should I
2: pay you anything?
1: Because you got your feelings hurt or you believe that you were true right, wrong
2: yeah but here's the thing we're not asking for you to pay we're not we're not coming to jb gunner tv and saying jb gunner you owe us reparations what we're saying is is that the wealth of this country was built off of the blacks of slaves and then that wealth was maldistributed to, to to groups of people who didn't deserve it because prior to prior to immigration and the naturalization act i think of 1790 majority, white people were not, there wasn't that many white people here. They flooded white what? people. Yeah. Yeah. They flooded, <laughs> they flooded America with European peasants. And then they gave those Europe, European peasants an economic base. This is how, like how the West was won and all that. This is what, this is what happened. <clears throat> and so when they did that, uh, that automatically put us at the, at at the bottom of the socioeconomic rung. And that's what put us in a minority cast. That's what put us in a a minority cast. See, so they, this is what I'm saying. They've consistently done things that would keep us from getting, from getting to a certain point as a collective and as a group of people. They've locked us out of industries. Uh, Look, The American middle class, the white American middle class, they didn't just magically one day decided that they were going to do this and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. The the white American middle class is a government creation through these government programs that was initiated with with the New Deal. Early on, you mentioned projects earlier. Early on, public housing and projects were for white people. Many white people were just as broke as black people. The way these people got amassed all of this, Uh, This wealth and this middle-class status was through the programs that was implemented in the late 30s through the 40s that gave you the the American middle-class Idealism of the 1950s while at Mm. the same time locking out black people Locking them out from from all of the industries from the automobile industry, which was a which was major at that time from all these different manufacturing manufacturing jobs and many of the jobs that 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 uh, that they could get were menial jobs that didn't pay any that didn't pay any real money. And so this is just the the history and the legacy and so what you can't do now is come back and blame black people for being born in a continuum that has that has has them uh oriented at the bottom of the of the socioeconomic spectrum. It's a mass redistribution of wealth that has taken place in this country. The top 1% Yep. Uh, own and hoard all of the all of the resources, and and then they trickle it down. And but by, by the time it gets to us, there's nothing left.
1: Well, uh, and I understand that. And, mm-hmm. and I guess what I'm going to say to you is this: even if that was the case, um, my my question is going to be, um, why whine about it? um ultimately mm. okay fine people are being unfair they're not giving you a piece of their pie they're not be giving you what you feel oh owe, you owed you you feel you're owed and, and here's the truth it's never going to happen white mm. people you, white people will never hand over reparations we will go to war first that is an absolute fact number yes. two um another thing i i just kind of want to throw in out there okay there is a certain path that human beings take for, you know, you you start, if everybody does things, the, the typical quote unquote, right way, you go to school, you then go to college, you then get a career, you then get married, you then have kids. Typically you'll have a pretty solid lifestyle now. Mm. So, so in that path, of, of getting things the way they should be. Uh, my question is going to be, where do you feel that black people are cut off? Because the same Pell Grant that I got,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the same student loans that I got, um, mm-hmm. uh, you can get. And then number two, when I failed at certain things, I then came back and began uh, a long time ago, being a entrepreneur and creator, uh, starting off with just podcasts and then became a YouTuber 12 years ago. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that seven out of them, 12 years, I made six figures, just someone with a crackhead as, as a mother
2: mm-hmm. on
1: my own with teardrops on my face and three tattoos. And now I live very, very comfortably in the in a, a suburban area uh, I I don't believe I got those things because I was white at mm-hmm. all because mm-hmm. me and you have the same opportunity to get to college and we also have the same opportunity to get to knowledge and come on here on YouTube and generate our own wealth. Um so ultimately I'm struggling to understand where where's where's the uh, oppressive measures that hold people down? Why can't they do what I did and ultimately <clears throat> even if it was the case almost uh I guess i gotta say this, and i'm not trying to come off as confrontational but the but the but the but the what you're gonna do about it question pops up in my head like like I understand there's a lot of whining mm-hmm. uh not, not i 'm not saying from you particularly i'm saying in general white people ain't giving us this white people ain't giving us that, and then okay, then when we strike back and kill you for mm-hmm. being an, an annoyance and a nuisance, then we're being Uh, bad and we're we're killing unarmed Blacks and all of this. No, we're telling you right off the jump. We're not giving you anything. And the more you talk about it and the more you annoy us, the more of you that's going to die. And you still are just crying. So my question is going to be, number one, why couldn't they do what I did? And then number two, what are Black people going to do about it if they feel so beaten down? Let's go
2: um okay uh you said what are they gonna do about it well yeah. one thing one thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna use our um you know our economic dollars to to stymie the system to disrupt the system same yeah. thing with the same thing with the political aspect um my personal philosophy is is if they take one then you take 10 and so you can Take that for what it's worth. That's my personal philosophy and and belief. If someone takes one of mine, then I'm going to take ten of theirs. That's a good and, strategy
1: because it's the only way blacks could win since <laughs> <is> the seven. <laughs> <only one>.
2: Right, <laughs> but 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 the, but right. the thing, the larger thing here is, <clears throat> is that the powers that be, they don't they don't want that. So uh, it's something that that we're going to keep striving for through the, the political sphere, the economic avenues, and in, in, in those things. Um now as far as you know what you just mentioned about how you you know you got yourself to a certain position. Look, there there are brothers and sisters who do that every day in American life, in American society. Um, you know, I I, I live a pretty comfortable life. Um and and I, I can say yes, it's my decision making. But also too, I I've understood ways that that I've been um that I've been uh disadvantaged because of because i'm because i'm black because i'm a black man the way i might be perceived uh you mentioned that earlier talking about the stereotypes the way that we're perceived in media yeah. um and so there there are ways that i've been i've been disadvantaged uh and this is you know a critical critical race theory these things that so, even though something cannot be racist or racial in its uh its creation or its implementation the outcome will still be racialized and the reason why the outcome is still racialized is because the larger societal economic and political context of america as we have as we know it and as we have known it is racialized like if you look at america as opposed to other european countries uh and they have their issues with entitlements and with social programs but it's it's not as stigmatized as it is here and the reason why it's not as stigmatized there as it is here is because those societies are homogeneous see there there, there is no uh, racial racial class and caste system that exists in those countries so they're much more uh lax when it comes to social programs um and, and these things that's not true for for America. For for America, they've always had to contend with what we know of as the Negro problem. And the Negro problem has been treated as a political football. Now earlier you mentioned um that uh <laughs> that you were a conservative. Um and, and what I find uh, hilarious about neoconservatives is that they're nothing more than liberals calling other liberals liberal. Um, How do you how do you account for that? Because conservatives aren't really conservative. They're really what it is. They have racial ambivalence to 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 uh, equality for black people in American society. That's how they came into being.
1: Now, Mm well, I'm struggling to understand what you mean. Conservatives are not conservative, but I will say this, Um, because the thing about it is majority Mm -hmm. of the people that I know, Particularly conservatives, particularly white conservatives, mm-hmm. uh, even black conservatives, right. they rarely even discuss race. They're not looking to hold anyone down. They don't care. Right. Uh, but e- but even if they um, were, mm-hmm. right? Um, we believe uh, totally in your freedom to do so. Uh, right. For instance, like a black, I'm gonna give you an example: a black barber shop or a soul food restaurant. Mm -hmm. If you look at me and say a white dude don't know how to cook soul food or even if you're stereotyping and just, you know, being a complete, you know, jerk, Mm -hmm. uh, that that white dude don't know how to cut black hair, you know, to to us, you're entitled to that, right? Right. And even if, you know, the the stigma that uh, when it comes to us conservatives that it's racially motivated exists, Mm -hmm. if you yourself say that whites are the dominant culture mm-hmm. the 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 dominant resource holders mm-hmm. then sh- then just to be honest then shouldn't we dictate where the resources go and if we if we decide mm-hmm. nope no blacks are getting isn't that self-preservation? Because here's the thing. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. Like I said, I just told you how us whites actually don't have these conversations. We don't talk racially. We're typically talking about something completely different. However, on your end, uh, I did my my research, and and your, you're very racially motivated. Very you're a good portion of the co- conversations you have mm-hmm. stem around race. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good right. thing. I'm just saying that. For us, it's not as big as you think. So the oppression of others really isn't something that takes into consideration. But even if we were to decide we want to preserve us white people, Mm -hmm. would that be, I mean, really, why is that a problem? What if we say we're going to keep all this for us? I'm sorry. America is not working for you. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is ours. We, We own everything. We have everything. We're the dominant culture as you just said. Mm -hmm. What if we decided we're not giving anymore? It's that simple. If you don't like it, I'm going to say the thing that everybody's going to say is racist. Mm -hmm. If you don't like it, we'll get you a a plane ticket out of here, but
2: we're not going to give you anymore. Um, What if we say that? Um, Well, it's the the reason why uh, they have acquiesced on, on certain things, certain concessions, is because that's unsustainable. And the and the policymakers and the and the uh you know the governmental agencies and under, and, and everything understand that it's unsustainable. Yep. You see, when you when you when you you know they say pressure bust pipes, and so what you what you do is you turn that subjugated group into a powder keg in your own home. If you do that, right. you see. So that's not a, that's not even an adequate strategy for continuity of government.
1: Ready to go? He he just that that Obama internet will get you every time. That Obama internet will get you every time. You can't you cannot listen, brother. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, by the way. If you're listening, Uh you cannot honestly tether your your your. your there you go.
2: Yeah, uh, it does that every every. <laughs> you can't be you can't be tethering your computer to your
1: to your Obama phone, brother. No. I'm just...
2: <laughs> um but uh like i was saying that's a you have a you you turn those people Damn.
1: the white man silencing him he's he's getting shut down help help oh god he's a good guy man this guy's a good guy i actually i mean we we disagree on everything almost but i have to give him credit he is an awesome guy uh to talk to at least i don't I don't dislike him. this is a good conversation.
2: I don't know why normally it just does that one time. Hold on, let me turn my okay I see yeah, but um but uh anyway like I was saying, yeah because then you turn those people into a into a um a powder cake in your own home now now just to deal with with the 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 racial aspect of everything are you familiar with the kerner commission no um well maybe perhaps you should read that because uh you know during the time of this great civil unrest um uh, you know all these different riots and things were going on in the in the mid to late 60s and um you know and and black communities the urban area uh there was a commission that was that was put together to 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 find out why this was happening and what was going on and and the in the basis The basic uh conclusion they came to is because we're racist (laughs) now that's not me that's the current commission who said that they're the ones who said well the reason why these people are acting like this is because we're racist and we treat them like and we treat them like shit (laughs) because we're racist you see and so um that's what's going to happen like if you if you take if you take uh that avenue but um you know that's that's basically what it is but again the, neo-con- the, the neoconservatives aren't aren't really conservative they're, they're liberal they're they're liberals who became disaffected uh, with the great society legislation and uh, and, uh, and the political radicalism that was that was going on from their vantage point because uh, you know black people um marching having civil rights and these different things to them that was radical. You see, so they're, they're, like that is the basis, the very foundation for neoconservatism as we know it. That's what neoconservatism is. But they're very much liberal. They don't believe in smaller government. Uh, They don't believe in, in non-interventionist government. They go around nation, nation building police in the world acting as the moral authority for the planet when nothing could be further from the truth uh uh if you look at america's are you
1: talking about republicans or conservatives because there is a uh, cuz yeah, for, ind- a- for instance liberal. i'm a conservative libertarian bro i mean like i understand right. a lot of people think it's just the same as liberals or not the same as democrats
2: or progressives
1: right. this is all, right, but right. i just wanted to throw that in there man
2: yeah all yeah ahead. i understand um yeah, but if america look at i mean if you look at the money that america gives out to these puppet dictators in the form of foreign aid but we never hear we, we never hear uh, conservatives neocons talk about that. Why is that? Why 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 isn't that stigmatized as much as um, paying and repairing uh, black society for the for the, the the evils that have been been done against it? Repeat that again.
1: I didn't I didn't hear that first half of that the first
2: part. I, I said why uh why isn't foreign aid. To these oh. puppet dictators as yeah. demonized and vilified as um, paying reparations to to black people who have been systemically, uh, you know, e- disadvantaged economically. Why is that?
1: Actually, I actually am against foreign aid and foreign entanglements of any kind, actually.
2: Right. However,
1: okay. however, um, remember, I'm uh, libertarians. Most of us, we, um, we we like I don't want I don't want to help. Fund anyone. However, my thing here is that logic would say that they're getting more out of that expenditure mm-hmm. than they are of giving black people reparations. Like I want you to understand, there's nothing us white people that's in it for us.
2: Mm-hmm. To give you reparations harms us. It and does not is, help us. How well. does it harm let me help me understand the logic? How does it harm how does it harm you?
1: Well, what is the number that you? Because remember, we're a country that's twenty-two trillion dollars in debt. Right. Uh, what is the number that you believe reparations would
2: cost? Hmm, I would say probably anywhere from a trillion to to two trillion dollars. Okay. Well, some of the numbers I've seen is about fourteen
1: trillion dollars, and this is from people that that broke down uh, what they believe reparations was. They added inflation. If it was just a trillion dollars. I'm mm. sure this reparation thing would have been handled a long time ago. You know, mm. I'm going to be honest. I don't think we would even still be having this discussion in 2019 if the debate was really just $1 trillion, or well, even two. Um, right. You know, um, I, so I, I think the numbers need to – there's things that need to be discussed. Now, I'm against any reparations at all. However, for it to even be on the table for discussion, We have to decide who's going to get it from who, how much it's going to be, and then how we're going to take and then distribute. Those are very difficult questions to get to. to, Number one, just making that determination would probably take decades.
2: Mm -hmm. Honestly,
1: I, I just don't. Go ahead.
2: I, I don't think so. I, I I really don't think so. Um, I don't think it would it would it would be that uh that hard of an effort. And look, America has paid reparations to to to, to other groups that that they've committed. Um, you know, he was against when talking about the the, the Japanese internment. Yes. They, they got reparations. Um, Native Americans they got a form of form of reparations and, oh. and those different different things. You see, so I, I mean, I I think it, I think what it is is they just lack the political will and and uh black people haven't been forceful enough and um and fomenting that that well i'm actually gonna
1: add to that for you Mm -hmm. um i'm actually gonna add to your case on that it could just be because we don't like you you know (laughs) what i'm saying you got to take that into consideration (laughs) that we maybe just we maybe we just like the japanese better you know what i'm saying um uh (laughs) and so (laughs) and so i'm not (laughs) i know that sounds funny the way it's (laughs) coming out but but in reality at some point in time, yes, if you if we're paying, if we paid reparations to everyone else, and mm-hmm. we're looking at you and saying, nah, nah, no, you have to look at like and I'll give you an example. An example of the we'll ju- I, I don't I don't I don't we'll just say loose woman and stuff. Mm-hmm. Loose the loose woman that that banged every guy in your school. And maybe she looked at you and was like, Yeah, but not you. You know what I'm saying? Right. At some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, how come everybody else got it but me? Well, mm. there's something about you that may just make us mad. It may just make us say, you know what? No, we're going to keep the boot on the neck. Mm. We'd rather not. And, and and so, yeah, we can sit and say that's wrong. That's bad. But, uh, and I'm not... And I'm not saying I dislike you more than I'm not saying I dislike you or I like the Japanese more than you (laughs) by any means. But the people that make these decisions may be saying that, and and sometimes you just got to accept it or go to war.
2: Right, I understand understand what you're saying on that point. Um, we yeah we've been on for an hour. I'm I'm gonna end it here because I I have I have to get ready for work and stuff like like that. So yeah, but I appreciate you coming, you know, coming by and having a um a civil conversation, civil discussion. Um, time, yeah i think it was i think it was fruitful it went, it went well so i appreciate you no problem anytime brother i
1: appreciate you all right Like you
2: mm. <clears throat> yeah so so y'all see how how certain people think <laughs> it's it's just it's just funny it's funny to me how uh you know how how they refuse to to acknowledge certain certain truths um, about the way this country is 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 uh, organized and situated especially along so, the socioeconomics um you know the redistribution of wealth the, Ronald Reagan was pivotal in that redistribution of wealth redistributing the wealth from the you know from from the working class up to the top 1% um, and then what they did, they gave they gave all this credit, created this credit economy, credit cards, financing vehicles, financing homes. When they don't really, you know, they don't they don't really have it like that either. So they at the at the end of it all, they're being duped too. This is why they asses was was acting a fucking mess when uh, in 2008, when that when that um during that uh um that economic downturn, most of the people who lost their money <laughs> was them were they, they, they robbed their 401k coffers, took their money and just ran off with it see and, 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 and but they're willing to let that slide so long as they can engage in this in this psychological privilege of being white and somehow being better than better than black people. not looking at the larger context in which black people exist in, um, especially in these urban areas, you know how a lot of that is what's driving the behaviors that we see uh, being degenerate, being a criminal is not endemic to is not endemic to black manhood or black womanhood these are people in um in an economic situation and in an urban environment where there isn't a lot of opportunities if you go and look at the unemployment rates in a lot of these areas it's through the roof especially for black men especially for black men we're talking double digit uh unemployment see there's a difference between unemployment and joblessness so you know i just i just wanted to you know give him a little work i didn't wanted to get you know go too deep with it go too deep and far too deep in the weeds with it because he probably wouldn't understand a lot of the stuff um and so uh that's just basically what it is i'm glad y'all enjoyed it like share and subscribe i'm I'm about to get off here because i got to get ready for work but y'all know what it is make black america great again or die trying and know what i'm gonna let something play before i go tell me what y'all think about it i'm i got something i'm working on so i'm gonna let it play and y'all just tell me just leave y'all leave y'all comments in the in the comment section trying to get this right hold on
0: Why do we fall? We are men, and perhaps the greatest question that has plagued our existence is: why do we fall? The greatest philosophers have pondered this question, only to conclude that its eventuality is inevitable. To err is human, to fail is standard. Failure is the greatest qualifier of the human experience, for in its occurrence, we learn. We learn about the world, ourselves, and the nature of triumph. See, failure tests our mettle, stretches our limits, and broadens our horizons. Without the agony of defeat. How can we fully appreciate the sweetness of victory? The satisfaction of accomplishment? See, the mountaintop is merely symbolic of our journey. Our stumbles, falls, and setbacks remain in the obscureness of the valleys and shadows. We fall for one very simple reason: we fall for instruction. We fall to learn how to stand and persevere. When our mind, body, and soul has reached its breaking point, we learn to dig deep. And with every fiber of our being, we soldier on. So let us rejoice in the failure of effort. For therein lies immense understanding. And as the fever arises from the ashes, so do we arise from the flames of adversity, renewed, reinvigorated, and refined, as gold is refined within the crucible of the Though the countenance of our visitors may be marked with the ugliness of traumas long past, break forth with rejoicing as despair yields to years to live. Therefore, let us not judge one another by the of which we sin, but rather by the depths which we live. We fall to become who we are. We fall to become great. We fall to become men. We fall. We fall. We fall. We fall. We fall to become what we are destined to be, and we fall simply into.